And we could try to do that. Sort of my general idea is more make it a little more like personal focused and rather than just try to be this news session of here's all the decks in the format here this is what i've been testing this is what mikey has been testing here are results and we can we integrate the tier lists into this discussion but it's just a little less systematic than just yeah the a, the s tier is the same here and this maybe the b tier should go to the a just not all that interesting or just yeah that's what i was it. thinking i think it's fine to do that for some like you you of course can't talk about every deck and there are some that aren't worth talking about i don't know what salamance does still Welcome back to the Trash Lunch Podcast. It's Brent Halliburton. I'm here as always with Britt Pibus and Mike Fouché. Our attendance continues to be 100%. We're here every week bringing people the latest stuff, talking about Pokemon. Uh, the first thing that I wanted to talk about is we got our first five-star review mm-hmm. on Apple iTunes. Soon we'll be the most popular podcast on the internet. Uh, I want to let all of our listeners know, if you leave a five-star review... We will read that review on air and discuss the uh, various qualitative attributes of that review. People should leave us reviews because reviews are funny. That's the thing. The next thing I wanted to ask you guys is I recognize Fall Guys is sweeping the uh, uh, internet. Have you guys played Fall Guys? I have not. I've seen some people play it. It's one of those things I, I want to play. This is, you know, I... I talk a lot or I've talked a lot so far about just experiencing getting old. And this is just like another, it's a trend that's just passing me by. Like I see it, but I just don't quite have time to interact with it. I've downloaded it. I, I have it on, I bought it on my computer. I downloaded it on my PlayStation and I, <laughs> I haven't played a single game yet. I've texted people about playing it, all of that, but maybe this weekend or something. So uh, that is a, hopefully our, our listeners recognize these are the, the last three people on earth to, who have never played Fall Guys. That is our commitment to the Pokemon trading card game <laughs> and preparing for uh, uh, Atlas uh, Pug Championships. It's amazing. I don't even know. So it's on computer and PlayStation? Is it on other systems too? I don't even know that, to be honest. So the, the main thing, I don't actually know which platform is more popular. But the main thing is that it's every month on the PlayStation, if you pay for the premium, which is required to play multiplayer, you get a free game or a couple free games are available each month. And Fall Guys is one of the free ones this uh, month. On so that's how it got to the puppy. I think that's a big reason why you're hearing about it, like now, as opposed to it's pr- it probably existed before this gotcha, month. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, it's on Steam too. and But I don't know if it's on the Switch or anything like cool. that. Probably not. Even my wife has found uh, Fall Guys to be amusing. Oh, wow. It's a perfect uh, party game. Very low skill cap. Okay. That's my like hot it. take, having never played a game. Low skill cap. <laughs> I like it, like a more Mario. Yeah. I'll have to uh, see if Kelly wants to give it a try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that is, it is right up like a thing that Mike and Kelly can do together. Mm-hmm. Allie, that's uh, exactly what people want. All right, let's jump into uh, Pokemon. The first thing I wanted to ask you guys is, I felt like in testing this week, there was a lot more reason to choose to go second than I had ever like felt in my life. And I wanted to get, is there an overarching hot take now about going first versus going second when people play Pokemon? So I think it just still depends a lot on the deck that you're playing and the deck that you're playing against. I know... 
Andrew Mahone and Britt had a discourse uh, yesterday and today talking about that. But I still find myself deciding differently the deck. So for example, I've been playing a good amount of Ultimate Mewtwo and depending on the matchup, I want to go first or second. But then there's some other decks like Baby Blocephalon, I think, always wants to go second. I think I think Vikavolt always wants to go second. I think ADP is cool with either one. So I, I think there's some decks that always want to go second and decks that are cool with either one. But I don't necessarily think there's a deck always wants to go first. So I guess that would make me lean towards case. Yeah, it's, it's like a sea change, right? Like when you say, hey, there are times when I would want to go second, certainly in the short, like five, six years that my kids have been playing, that's never happened before. Yeah. There were like bad Night March players that were like, I'll go second, but you're like, you're bad. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I, yeah, it's, it is like a changing of the guard here, which is cool to i just think being able to play a supporter is really good and there's just so many opening you can't do anything if you go first but so yeah i thought that was interesting that andrew mahone was saying that he is even correct with the eternatus deck and i it i could see it going both ways that seemed like a deck where you would want to go first very similar to how dragapult wants to go first and maybe it's just a deck that's cool with going first or second and doesn't that much but I haven't the deck enough to know for sure what I would if I won the coin flip. Brett, I know you were having that this and you have a little more experience on that particular deck. Yeah, and I I think he is right for sure. But it is still a close call, which I think is usually a good sign. If your deck is really comfortable with both, you feel a lot more better about your rounds and like you're not dice you're not flipping the coin with your matchups in a way if you need to go first most of the time to win. But the main logic, and I always, I'm just such a conservative player that I, I, I just don't, what I want to do each turn is typically less than what other players want to do. So I'm just like, I just want to attach, mm-hmm. and, but I'm, I just need to attach and you have access to all bats and stuff. So it's still pretty easy to crowbat for five or six going first if you open with the right hand. But then the idea I think at Dill is that that's just too slow in that when you choose to go second, you're almost all but guaranteed. So you get two turns of supporter, notably of them before you, you get Marnied potentially for the first time. And that the first Marnie is often the scariest one, just given that you haven't had the time, you haven't had a turn yet to thin your deck at all. So it's a lot filled with a lot more clutter. And the idea of a second, you get the second supporter and that you're just all but guaranteed to do 270. And then you throw in the zigzagoons and your nets and that's, you're taking three prizes almost guaranteed on that second turn for the most time. And in in some scenarios, you are going to get punished. I I initially thought going first was still better is because I, it's harder for them to KO first detachment on Eternatus or however we choose to say it. It's harder for them to take that energy away if you go first, since it's their first turn, it's harder for them to pop off. And they certainly can still. And that's a huge reason why the Zacian decks are just so good is because the turns that they get the attack off and maybe take two prizes, you're often right. just too far behind. Yeah. But yeah, that's the general idea. And yeah. and what what isn't good, however, is when you choose to go second and then you miss. So the big part of it predicated on the assumption that you get the energy acceleration off with your first your colorless mm-hmm. energy attack. So that way you have two energies on the board, presumably one on in the event the active one gets knocked out. 
times, and this happened to me this morning when I was in a handful of games, 10 or so games again, when I opted to go choose to go second anytime I could. And you just lose that game almost immediately. Like I, I missed the acceleration and then lost it. And then it got KO'd by, you just pick up <laughs> your cards then. There's no way. Yeah. Before you hop back on, we were just in general about going first or second and how it feels like there's some decks that you don't care too much whether they go first or second, they can execute their game plan either way. And I think Eternatus is a good example of that. ADP is a good example of that. But then there's some decks that pretty much always want to go second, like Baby Blinds. And there's not really any deck that always wants to go first, which is interesting. So it makes, it does seem on average going second is better. It's the case for all. Yeah, I think so. And that's, I think too, if you think about it, and this is, you know, another point in favor of Andrew's position is that I think when you examine all the decks that are content with either, then you just look a little bit closer, it's clear that, yeah, either is fine. You really want to go second Mm -hmm. still. On these more like fringe cases, if it's really not quite as fringe as it may seem, or if you really think about it, it's clearly it's still, one is still favored over the other. I don't know. I don't know if you mentioned it, but I know his one exception was ADP, specifically in standard, as the deck that wants to go. For. That makes a lot of sense too. But similarly, if you don't, and again, you have some wiggle room with all the the metal soft. It doesn't have to be your watercolor, your water energy, or the. Sometimes they play the special energy, on the first turn, but ideally mm-hmm. it should. And I a lot of decks seem. A little more one, like they just, they play Dedenne and they're really, they're focused on digging whether, whether they're going first right. or second. Okay. I'm not even sure how strongly the, this standard ADP wants to go first, even still, because going second, you win awkward games sometimes. Where you go second and you get Zacian somehow, but, and then late game you go into Altered Creation and then just got a win on a Dedenne or a Crobat mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. The other thing to consider too is even if you're a deck that you think you want to go first on, if your opponent is a deck that really wants to go second, then there's there's a lot of merit of just choosing to go second then because you're forcing them to not go second. And so I think that's also worth thinking about if you don't really care either way, but you're playing against Baby Blacephalon or Vikavolt that wants to go second, well, you just choose to go second just to take away that advantage from them. I wonder, especially this format, we we may never know just because it's so short and with no events. I wonder if the, like, I just wonder what statistically will end up being the case, like these, how would the matchups end up being? Because we, historically, we occasionally have those formats where you just have to go first or second. I'm like as the 2011 as is the the worst one that comes to mind. I'm not sure if historically there was like a worse format where you just always wanted to go second. I don't remember. To, uh, you wanted to go first. I'm just <laughs> blanking, but I know it was right, Tyrone. Right, 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 right. Whichever one it was. Yeah, I just couldn't remember. And that's the thing that the rules always change. But regardless of what the rule is, whether going first or second is preferable tends to change with the formats too. So it's a little it's a little tricky to keep yeah. track of. That's there was occasionally some like fringe arguments for it, 
and I was never quite sure if they were good arguments or not, but I remember it was in format. So it would have been around the same format we talked about last episode. I think it was like the next cycle of regionals, but it had stayed good with robo substitutes and stuff that had in the set. And I remember these players from like the Great Lakes area, like a bunch of Michigan players were really hot on their Don fan list. And they're they, they're Lucha Don mm-hmm. fan list. And they were just like, you always go you always go first or you always go second because you just pre- want to pressure them with Halucha <laughs> first. And it was in a format where you always wanted to go first, but they were just so convinced that going second was so you could pressure faster with Haluchas or something. That's funny. And so occasionally there are these fringe arguments, but yeah, I think what you're saying historically is right. It's just usually very polarizing. You just uh, having a bad day when you're at round nine and, you haven't gone first yet all day or something like that and it's weird because i i think i always liked conceptually the this like almost non-intuitive idea that going first and passing up on the opportunity to be the first person to attack in the game correct because you favor board state over aggression Mm -hmm. and conceptually i think i just like the idea of that as being a thing that's part of the game Mm -hmm. It's interesting, though, just thinking about it in a broader context compared to what other card games do to, to how, they, how they try to compensate for the, the first turn thing. I'm trying to just gauge them all in terms of like raw power or something like that and try to figure out like how good or how like compared to Hearthstone Point or I don't know if you're familiar with it. They're typically all pretty interesting. I I'm a sucker for card games. So I, I'll usually play them all, if only for the, you know, free-to-play trial or something. Getting too far ahead or controlling the board too much or something like that. And I, I don't know, but it's, you know, a good question to think about. Yeah, like, I, I hate the idea of new players being told you should always choose to go second because you, you can launch this, like, incredibly aggressive attack and that's what you should be trying to do. Mm-hmm. Man, that's not <laughs> how I wanted to teach new kids to play Pokemon. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. So Pokestats um, just wrapped up two of their old format tournaments. One of them was Worlds 2017. I played Northern Garbodor, which was pretty fun to play. I didn't do that. And the 2007 Worlds finished up. I made top eight there and then lost. But so they're going to run a Worlds 2005 event on TCG1, and they're going to run a City Championship 2013-2014 event, the next two old format events. For those of you that are interested in playing them, you can join the Pokestats Discord and play either one of those. So what, what were the big decks in 2005? 2005, so that was the year Nidoqueen won. Pablo got third and Jeremy Marin got first. And it was kind of, it was a secret deck. Nobody played Nidoqueen before that tournament. Um, Ross got second at 2005 Worlds with uh, Dark Tyranitar, Electro like in typical Ross fashion, it was... I don't know, maybe 15 one-ofs in his deck. So like some decks ran Pidgeot in that format, which, you know, is quick search and you'd run like a 2-1-2 line. Some decks ran Cargo, which is the same Cargo that we have right now. But Ross ran a 1-1-1 Pidgeot and a 1-1 Macargo. Um, So that was funny. And then there was other big decks like Metachami X and Ludicolo Macargo and some other things. And and what about the city championships, 2013-2014? Uh, I don't know. I didn't really play that year, so I don't really know too much about the format. I think uh, it was like Darkrai 
and Verizzi and Genesec. I think those were the two big decks, but not right, too familiar right. with that format. We started playing after those city championships. Mm. Yeah, I assume it was just, I mean, my impression of the meta, even though like now you see so much more talk about a Selger and talk about Blastoise and, and all those kind of offbeat decks was it was like Verizzian Genesect, Eveltal, uh, Darkrai, and TDK. Mm-hmm. That's what was a thing. Blastoise, I think, was still good. I think Cheer got nerfed right before those city championships. So it went from being on a flip yeah. or not from being a flip to being on a flip. And I think that hurt Blastoise pretty significantly more than any other deck. Yeah. Interesting. Why, why would that be? Uh, because it started had to run Tool Scrapper, which is a worse card, before it could just run Pokemon Catcher and kill a Garbodor. But your Catcher is just so good that you're just losing a really good card. You can't run Scrapper and Catcher in most Blastoise decks because you need a lot, because it's a stage two deck. So they right. had to run Scrappers, which means they weren't running Gust. And yeah. All, all you would get is a turn or two off of uh, Tool, as opposed to you kill their Garbodor and they're probably... Uh not going to be able to get another one out yeah, in time. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and the alternative was like flipping for whether or not you're going to kill a Garbodor. That seems horrible. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Atlas Pog Championship coming up this weekend and what you've been up to, Mike. I mentioned it last week going into testing for this. I, my intention was to only test Spirit Tomb and Vikavolt and quickly became apparent to me that Spirit Tomb was not that great. Uh, in this format for a couple of reasons. The first one being that ADP Zacian got more popular and it got better with the addition of Crobat. It's really hard to beat ADP with Spirit. The matchup beforehand was already like 50-50-ish and came down to if you were able to hit the ADP the turn before they altered creation and then KO the ADP the turn after they altered creation. That was pretty much the entire matchup there. So now the fact that they fairly consistently can GX on the first turn going second or on the second turn, um, and they can, if if the ADP is on the bench, it's harder for the Spirit Team player as well to interact with the ADP. So the matchup is a little bit harder and it's just going to be the most popular deck. So, uh, you're taking a slightly unfavorable matchup for the other deck. So that's the first thing. Thing, Vika and is a powerful deck, which we'll get into, I'm sure. And Spirit Tomb has a real tough time against that because Vika Vault's KOing a Spirit Tomb for two energy and item locking you. It's impossible for you to one-shot a Vika Vault if you're not able to play a tool down. Uh, it is not unwinnable, but very hard. Uh, third thing is that the other big deck, Eternatus, is also winnable, but running four Zigzagoon, four Scoop-Up Nets, it can be hard because they can jump ahead in the prize trade by killing Spirit Tombs. A lot of the lists now are also playing things like their own Spirit Tomb, playing the new Hoopa, or they're playing, I've even seen attacks for no energy if they go second. So they have a lot of, they have, most lists have some type of single prize attacker that will interact with you. You add on to it that Eternatus says 340 HP, impossible to one shot. Sometimes it's even hard to shot if, yeah. so basically the three, what I expect to be the three of the, maybe there's four or five most popular decks. You're taking bad matchups to three of them. That's telling me that Spirit Tomb is not a super great play. 
So where'd you go from so there? So where'd I go from there? So I did test VikaVolt a bit, mostly. I, I tried out some of the different variants. I, the Marip one didn't really like that. I tried, uh, I mentioned last week, I was going to try like a heavy damage version with like electro chargers and zigzagoons and what. I tried, that was fine, but electro charger was pretty bad card overall. So I've mostly just been playing the list that Azul popularized with Drachis and Turbo Patch. And it's aggressive, but st- still like, relatively straightforward and it's pretty good i think it's a really strong deck and i think it will be played a lot but i don't think i particularly want to play it anymore it feels a little too linear for me so with that was me going into the week and after a couple days i i didn't want to play either the the decks that i intended to play This is, in some ways, this is like classic regionals action. You had a plan to uh, start testing the week before the tournament, and now we're like two days before the tournament, and you're like, uh, all decks are bad. Yep, yep. yep. Where have you gone from there? So I played a little bit of ADP Zacian. Felt like that was pretty strong. Can fall back on that if I like. Same thing with Baby Blounds. I think that's pretty strong. Played some games to make sure that I could still play that fine. I started trying some crazy stuff like Stonejourner. It's not terrible, but it's not good. I assume its best attribute is it's a fighting type Pokemon. It's a fighting type Pokemon (laughs) that is not easily one-shotted and can kill two of the three decks that I just talked about. But it's still very hard to beat ADP Zacian, I think, with any list. So probably not going to play that. Maybe if there was more time, I would put more time into it. And so I found with you know some of the meta decks, uh, but only other deck that I have found interesting in the last four hours that I may end up playing is Ultimate Mewtwo. M. Taylor posted a really phenomenal article on Six Prizes, talking about a lot of stuff, but in particular, he talked about Ultimate Mewtwo, which he won some online tournament with towards the end of last format. And he updated the list. And so I've been messing around with that. I changed a couple cards because it's a very fluid deck, which I really like. I also played around with Ultimate Mewtwo last format, and I thought it was really good. And it was my second favorite deck next to Spirit Tomb, but I thought Spirit Tomb was so good that I never really ended up playing it outside of uh, Ladder and the PTCGO events. But so I think Ultimate Mewtwo is pretty strong. It is a little inconsistent, but it has a game plan for pretty much every matchup, which which I like. And I think it's unexpected. I don't think people are going to be, it's not like people are playing, playing Power Plants or, or Mimikyu. So I don't, people aren't really going to tech for it. And it's just fun, fun deck to play. So how did... Can you talk about Scorch for a second? Because I'm interested in your hot takes on that. Scorch. That's the Fire VMAX guy that came out? Yeah. I haven't played it, partially because I didn't want to trade for them on PTCGO. But it does seem pretty strong. Um, I don't know. I've seen a lot of different lists. I think if someone the like the best list for it, I think it could be a, a really good play. From what I've seen, the best list seemed to be... Like they run uh, Volcanion and they run like a three or four four Thunder Scorch line and then maybe another attacker or two. It seems good against the at least the top three decks, right? You can get enough energy to pretty reliably one shot Vika Volts and you can. You have weakness against Zacian, which is obviously very good. Um, I think one-shotting an ADP early in the game is probably not going to happen very often, but it's not impossible. If you go second and turn one welder, turn two welder, you're doing... I'm pretty sure my math checks out, right? That's uh, five, six times four. Oh, no. 
Are you off? Should you do that? No, six energy is six energy is three hundred. Yeah, yeah. So if you attach and they're both turns, Number. yeah. Uh, that's so I, I I know in my games, yeah, I essentially walked into exactly what you talked about. I, I played against it playing Combozation, and I played against it playing Vika Volt, and obviously I was like, these are terrible matchups. I'm gonna get smoked, and lo, I got smoked. <laughs> but I was also impressed with just. You know, I think my kids tend to favor like non-linear decks, whereas I, I'm like, let's test Vikable because it seems super mm-hmm. linear. <laughs> and and the idea of the Centiscorch Vs like attack for one energy and discard one of their energies and poke them. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. That's an interesting... And, and then the VMAX attack is obviously huge. So you have this like choice of there's huge damage output. There's like ways to stall out the game. One guy went into a Heatran GX and loaded it up for a monstrous GX on like the final attack of the game against me. I, I was like, and, and yeah, he had the fire. He, he went second and got the fire starter off. Mm-hmm. So I seem to have a lot of moving parts that gave them a lot of options in the game. But I feel like it hasn't gotten hyped a lot. Britt, any hot takes on Scorch? I've been, I have not, I don't have it built, but I've been impressed playing against it pretty consistently. I lose to it more a lot more than i expected to it's usually usually not too bad but i feel like any of the games where i am consistently stumbling and they're not i just get stomped like i the usual bad beats here and there of just missing my energy attachments early maybe missing a key evolution or being 10 shy on a knockout like i've had games like that when i was playing at Ternatus, I just had no chance. I forget exactly. Usually all of this experience, too, was behind me going first incorrectly, winning the <laughs> coin flip, but choosing to go first. And then them, they opened with Volcanion going second at both games. There are at least these two games that are... Uh, Must be nice, um, right? <laughs> but yeah, I think these just talking what we talked about earlier. I think these games are ones that I would win a lot more easily if I had chosen to go second, because it's a lot harder for them to get the knockout than, say, Zacian or something, I would think. Yeah. I just yeah. Britt, we walked through Mike's, what he tested, what he's seen, how is like, his thought process going up to this. Before we walk through yours, the one question I want to ask Mike was, does this, I feel like the way that you ended, even though I would imagine since everybody is quarantining at home, it would be less like this, but it almost feels like this is going to be one of those things where like at 3 a.m. before the tournament, you pick a deck. Is this like a, a regionals or a big tournament where you make your deck decision an hour before the tournament and turn in your list based on this last minute crazy round of testing and messaging that's you know going around tournament players? I think that I hope that it's not, but I think it's very possible that it could be. I'm definitely talking to a couple different people and I've said that if you come up with something, let me know. So the feelers are out there. And if I get something that looks pretty sweet and spicy, I have no problem making a quick switch because I don't love any deck. Uh, the, the Mewtwo deck is the only one that I kind of like and every other deck I kind of hate, as you said. <laughs> yeah. When our deck lists do, I feel like that'll, I think depend, it's, that'll affect things a lot. I think it's, Midnight Eastern, like, so Friday going into Saturday, midnight Eastern. So you wouldn't be that late then, scrambling for stuff. Yeah. <laughs> at the very least. Unless you're in Europe. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And I'm playing, I'm playing the early pod on day one, so, like, 
uh, I think I start playing at 5 a.m. Eastern. So exactly, Mike's Mike's doing the uh, 5 a.m. shift, so he's like he's going to be up until midnight and he's going to go to sleep <laughs> for. Th- I mean, that's a that's a quintessential regionals experience, yeah, Mike. Right, <laughs> you're ready. So, Britt, ta- why don't you talk about your testing uh, process and and how you've gotten to now? Um, I don't talk to nearly as many people as I I used to, but I've talked to a handful of people just to, you know, because I was going through, you know, a couple stages of testing. Like first you have your initial impressions. Mostly, I I mostly started with Pablo's six, most recent six prizes article. That was almost all the, and Mikey, I don't know if that was just a personal ADP list, but he, he posted one in the discard we have here. And that's where I started with things, but you know, once I started to get a feel for matchups, I started to try my own lists, my own ideas. I've mostly played Eternatus. I've keep coming up with kookier and kookier builds for it, and just not. I don't like any of them as much as just Pablo's list. Just all consistency. Four four. Four four Eternatus, four Crobat, four Zigzagoon, and that's kind of it. It has an Absol and a Hoopa. I don't think I've ever used the Hoopa, and, and I just don't know when I would supposed to be. It just it seems to be there. What just like uh, games that you're already losing or already winning are the scenarios when you have time to get the Hoopa. I feel like. But I don't know if that makes any sense. I understand my the lists I play do have some very crippling weaknesses against any of the safeguard type Pokemon. I just lose. I've I've been. Yeah, I think I think the Hoopa is for the Decidueye matchup, like nominally. I, but I mean, it's the thing though. Like one Hoopa is not like is not going to win me that matchup if if it's a good player or, or you know if they're playing some Obstagoons and stuff too. Like I'll just. The, the Zamazenta is really what's more troubling to me, but that's usually pretty ha- easy to handle. But yeah, I'm just fine. If if I played Eternatus this weekend, I, I'll lose to Decidueye. That's totally fine with me. I think I have to lose to Control too. And that's kind of like my... And maybe I haven't tested all that much against Vickavolt, but my general sense was that Eternatus is one of the few decks that I thought had a good Vickable matchup. Usually you just had kind of, you usually have good draw through the item lock, especially if you have a good, a really good first turn before they get it off. And then you just have, you just have so much HP. And if you're not just crippled, you can usually just even two shotting them. Sometimes they just don't do enough damage if they themselves are failing to hit some beats and even, even games too, where it seems like they're doing everything they want to. You know, it's the build that are, I was playing against these builds that are really turbo patch heavy and half the time they're doing one 190 or uh, they played some vitality bands and the plus powers and whatnot too. But then I just feel like every time they did that, I would just be like, okay, eight Pokemon, a new 340 Pokemon in the active, like kill this one, I guess, you know, and then, and then their game plan is entirely reliant on just using a catcher effect on something I can't retreat and finding their footing back into the game from there. And that's your luck reliance strategy. You just hope I don't draw into energy or good players, which perhaps I'm not good yet, are doing things to make those strategies less effective than against players who aren't quite as conscientious as they should be. Are, are you playing a bird keeper? Bird keeper is like the bane of my existence when I, I try to do that stuff to people. 
<laughs> I want to actually. That's one of that's one of the I I have a few builds that I've been playing with, but if I, I think if I went with just something based on the Pablo list that I keep mentioning, I think one of the main cards I want to fit. I want another switching card, but I'm not sure if the Malin Lana would just be better. I had that initial thought in my head, but I haven't sort of gone through it in much detail yet. But I, I would like another, more switching cards in the deck for sure. And the draw versus discard for heal. I'm not quite sure which is better. What do you think the meta is going to be like? Like what are there, do you think, it, so Mike was saying he thought ADP's Ace would be the big deck. Do you think that that's true or is your take on the meta more diverse or? Yeah, that's it's definitely the deck that everyone's hyping. It seems to be mostly unanimous consensus that it's the best deck. Like I, 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 th- I think everyone's realistic in that no one is saying like, oh, it beats everything every time. Like a lot of matchups are pretty close right now, but I, the logic behind everyone saying it is the best deck is good. And as a result, I do think lots of people will gravitate towards it. But I think the hottest deck out of the set in terms of just what I, I think I've seen people trying the most and what and, and is cheaper in terms of just packs and codes themselves is Vicavolt. And that's something I am expecting a lot of. And I, I think Vicavolt does pretty well against ADP or CAN, and it's just pretty good in general against the Zacian decks. Maybe you're a good player and you're anticipating a lot of ADP, a lot of combosation or something, and then Vicavolt is like quietly the good play. Like both of those scenarios seem pretty realistic in my head. But there's a lot of decks and a lot of close matchups, and again, it's so fresh, and I I fully expect to see some cool decks in maybe top eight, top sixteen or so. Just I just I don't know what half the cards do or something like that. So how much do you think you're dialing into Eternatus versus that 2 a.m. deck switch uh, play? I I don't have these connections. No (laughs) one's sending me a deck list or anything, and that's fine with me. Playing as much as I can these next couple days, so I'd like to have a a, a more informed opinion by Friday, but... I don't expect to really be shaken off this. It'll if if I don't think people are playing a lot of Vicavolt, I might try something else. But if I think Vicavolt is going to be fairly prominent, I like Eternatus. I think, but there's a lot of decks I I need to practice against still. Let me let me, let me ask you a couple of questions about Eternatus because I haven't played it yet. So you mentioned that you don't really like Hoopa. Have you tried Spirit Tomb in there? I haven't really dabbled in alternate attackers at all. The main thing I was messing with was turbo patches to alleviate the the necessity of the turn one attachment and giving you a little staying power in the event that you go from two energy to zero energy unexpectedly. And they're good, you know, like, like you would think. Um, I don't feel like I really cut consistency or too much to fit them in and you don't need them of course either kind of similar to Vicavolt. they're just it's just a good card and people are messing with it it's probably not worth it at the end but my testing has not been indicative that i should just drop the idea entirely i think they're similar to max elixir i mean max elixir might have had a slightly higher percentage based on the deck yeah, yeah. but 
but they're similar. Like if an elixir is, you know, a 60% to hit, they were never played in a deck that like absolutely needed the energy to execute its strategy. It'd just be, if I hit two out of my four elixirs, that's great. Mm-hmm. So it's a good card. The the main card I see in other people's lists is the other Hoopa. There's one that sort of has like Galissapod's attack, something to that effect. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't quite understand why people are playing it. If I'm being totally honest, there must be something I'm missing. It just doesn't seem very good if it's there to hit the safeguard Pokemon. Yeah, I agree. That one doesn't seem great to me. The only, the Spirit Tomb seemed like the best uh, one prize attacker to me because it has the potential to do, you know, a significant amount of damage. Where is the other one? It's just like you're not one-shotting anything. That really. seems problematic, though, because what you're using Spiritomb to knock out are both pretty good against Spiritomb. Decidueye can hit it oh, while yeah, it's on the true. bench. And like I said, I've I've beaten, I've won a game against Decidueye where I attacked with Absol and Hoopa. Like, you can do mm. it sometimes <laughs> when they're not drawing well. But it, you're going to lose when they open Jirachi and hit Rosa immediately mm-hmm. and things like that. Well, I think the other thing that it could be used for is against Baby Blounds, right? Is to, like, give you another attacker. Sure, sure. To, like, help the prize trade. Yeah. I, I haven't played too much against that matchup. But in what I have played against, it's, it's just kind of, do they get it? or some, They're going to pop mm-hmm. off or they're not, like... A lot of the a lot of the time they don't because you, you are fast, you are taking prizes immediately, so and you don't need very many Pokemon to knock out anything in their deck. And so usually if they're forced to if they go Zacian on their first turn and maybe also have to play Oricorio or something, like those games are the ones I win. Mm-hmm. And then the ones I lose are they hit seven energies on turn two. So it's like <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of interactions going on. But um, not, I would say it's probably somewhere in the 45, 55 range, probably with Blounds being favored still, but it's not something I'm... I would feel better playing against it than I would being the ADP player, but... Makes sense. That could be wrong. I'm not a good ADP player or anything. I don't know what those guys think of the matchup, but in my head, that's what I currently think. (laughs) (laughs) I know I sent you guys... Both Luke Morrison and Kevin Clement, they put together these, these kind of tier lists. And the, the other two top-tier decks that they identified were Baby Blounds and Control decks. And and I thought it's interesting that they would say Vikavolt's going to be a big deck, and also these two decks are going to be big decks. I feel like Vikavolt is an incredibly hard matchup for those guys, and Vikavolt has a lot more hype and kind of popularity going in. Uh, are, those, are, are Baby Blounds and Control top-tier decks? I think Babyland is really good. In a format that there are so many possible decks, it's totally fine to take a hard auto loss to one of the decks. And we can talk about it a little bit later, but that's why I think Dragapult's actually not that bad. I think it's fine to take one really bad matchup. Um, so Blount is really taking a bad matchup against Vika Volt, which could be 15% of the field maybe, but you're taking... A uh, slightly favorable matchup to ADP. You're taking a slightly favorable matchup to Eternatus. Uh, you're taking a very favorable matchup against the other metal decks. Um, you're taking a favorable matchup versus Picaram. You're taking a good matchup against Center Scorch. So you have lots and lots of good matchups, and you're kind of sacrificing one, the like one popular bad one. Uh, contr- and let me say, by playing Baby Blonde, Vikavolt is very hard. <laughs> it's really bad. The only thing that I, I think may be worth 
teching in is a, a double. I think double could help the matchup a little bit, but I'm probably not going to test that enough. In terms of control, I actually don't think control is that bad against Vika Vold. I think uh, a lot of lists are adapting for it. Some lists are playing Channeler, some are playing the Delcaddy that gets supporters back. And sometimes they can just aggro mill you out because you're not doing that much damage. I haven't played the match. I've only played it from the Vika Vault side, but I don't think control is that bad versus Vika Vault. I don't know, Britt. Yeah, I was going to say, I agree with Dragapult. If we have to offer any sort of hot take, I, I agree that Dragapult is fine. That's really good against basically everything that isn't dark still. I almost lost to it. I had a really close game to one online. <laughs> I was playing weakness guard energy and they just caught me off guard. And Ooh, I think nice. I did my math wrong. And that's actually why it was close. <laughs> I, I was thinking too, you said you think that Dragapult would beat Senna Scorch. I'm not confident that would be true. Oh, no, no. Blounds would beat Senna Scorch. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So much of it is, this is best of one. So it's not like the Players' Cup, which was best of three. So you have a little less wiggle room, too. Is that correct? It is best of one? Yeah. Yeah, so that affects things, too. With two of three, you can play a deck that you know is a little inconsistent if you know you're going to win every game that it's not inconsistent. You just can't do that in best of one. Or if you if you do, you're very brave, um, braver than I am. So I, I feel like that'll be a big factor too. I'm not sure what that really says. Most of the top decks are very consistent. Most of them have multiple Dedenne and Crobat and almost as much draw or search items that you can have. I think control is a little clunky sometimes, at least in my own experience. I haven't played much or at all um, with any like Sencino variants, but I tested a couple versions of the like Mary versions and I didn't find them any good, but I, I, I like the other versions just fine still too. Yeah, Control's not really my cup of tea, I'd, and Mill, not really either. Sometimes I respect them in events, sometimes I don't, but uh, I won't play them. I think right now they're kind of well-positioned. Uh, I think Vika Volt can go either way, depending on how much you tech for it. Uh, but I don't think there's really any way to make the ADP matchup anything better than unfavored. <laughs> do, you, yeah. do either of you have any thoughts on Mad Party? I see people talking about it, and usually in these... Twitter threads that I'm scrolling through. The consensus seems to be that it's it's better than it might seem. And I've not experienced that in my games against it, but like not, no one took Night March seriously initially and it's a similar mechanic. It's similar to, to Lost March, which is kind of, which is in that period when I, I played zero events. So I, I'm not quite sure how much of a threat Lost March ever was, but it seems okay. Um, yeah, I've played around with it a little bit because I've always liked that mechanic a lot. I, I played a lot of Night March. I played a decent amount of Lice, Lice, uh, Lost March, even when I did play games last year. I think it has potential. I think it could be good if uh, someone finds the right list, but I haven't seen any list that wows me. I go back to, with this deck, I think it's pretty much impossible to beat ADP. You might have good matchups against other things, but unless... It's the same problem that Spiritomb has. Unless you're able to KO the ADP the turn after they altered creation, you cannot win the matchup. It's like actually impossible if they get an ultimate ray off because the prize trade makes it impossible for you to catch up. If someone figures out a way to circumvent that, then it could be good. I saw Danny Altavia post a list with 
Stinger Naganadel. And when I first saw that, I was like, that's really cool. You Stinger. But then I was like, after you Stinger, they just kill Naganadel and then they win because that's three prizes. Um, and so I asked him about it and he said, well, so you have to do 260 to the ADP and play Shrine and play Zigzagoon like the turn that you stick, or you have to do 260 to ADP, and then on the turn you stinger, you need to play Shrine and Zigzagoon. And I was like, that seems very, very specific. <laughs> <laughs> like if you lose to ADP and you lose to Vikavolt, that seems bad. <laughs> yeah, I think taking a loss to one of those three decks, ADP, Vikavolt, Eternatus, is fine. But if you're taking a loss to two of them, that's not good. It is fun, though. It is a fun deck to play. <laughs> what other deck should we talk about? Should we talk about Picaron? I think it's terrible in my own experience. It's so bad against Vikavolt. Your only prayer is some sort of comeback off a of Raichu Paralysis and Stamp or something. A fit doesn't trade as efficiently with these other Pokemon, and particularly when Eternatus and stuff can like one-shot it. Yeah, I think the, mat- the peak of ADP matchup is pretty close. I think it's slightly favored for Pika, but... Uh- Pika seems really bad against Eternatus. Yeah. That's the main deck I've played, so maybe I'm over-gauging how bad it is. But we all think Blounds is fine. Blounds is really good still, and that was not a great matchup historically. I would think Control is probably can be okay against you. If it's the Articuno versions, I would think those are pretty easy. Uh, for Control, rather. Right. But I don't know how you would do against Vikavolt. Vikavolt seems like it would struggle because all I have to do is manually attach and then I have a couple attackers on the board. And right. maybe they gave me the stadium for me too. Yeah, and the math works out really nice, right? You do 50 and then 190, that's 240. So. Right. Yeah. The only other deck that I haven't really played, but I've played against a lot that I think is quite good and really annoying to play against is Zacian Lucario Melmetal. Um, super annoying. Mm-hmm. All of Basically every deck that I've played against or that I've played and considered playing feels unfavored against it. It's really bad versus Baby Blounds. I assume it's not great versus Eternatus, Eternatus, but I'm not 100% sure. What do you think, Brett? Uh, Zamazenta is, uh, is a lot harder with that. Mm, I actually played against one that didn't play any Zacian. They played lots oh. of Zamazentas <laughs> and Melmetal. Nice. I agree. I actually think I'm always really surprised by this deck. And I think if I were more active in going to events, this just strikes me as a deck that historically I would have really gravitated towards. It reminds me of... There was a time when I played, it was Israel's deck, but we played like Evital with like hard charms for some mm. reason, whereas in the main, the main Evital deck was way more aggressive, but, but I just really liked the defense kind of style more. And this, this is that sort of thing, way more defensive than the other Zacian decks. But I, uh, I really haven't tested against it enough to have a sense of how bad it is, but I think you could probably play two Zamazentas and beat the Zacian or the, the Eternatus decks that I'm really into. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could ever beat a second one, probably, if you, some, if you, you know, prepared for it a little more. Like, something like that strikes me as being pretty good. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, because, I mean, I think it has a slightly favorable ADPZ matchup. Because if you're able to, you know, use your GX attack the turn after the GX attack, then they're forced to 
just attach and use metal saucers instead of ultimate ray, which is, you know, usually gives you enough tempo. I think it's pretty good against Vikavolt just because if you get your tools down and you full metal wall, you're reducing so much damage from them. This is exactly what I was going through in my head. Clearly it would be better than the other issue index, but I could still see it being frustrating. You just have so many items, especially with that deck has more tool cards and stuff on top of the usual balls and saucers and switches. Yeah, that's true. Um, I don't imagine I'll try it, but that's something that interests me for sure. But basically anything I haven't tried, I just like don't have cards for, and I just don't feel like spending any more money on codes at the moment. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that is a deck that I think stays pretty much intact after the rotation, so you'll have yeah, your chance I'm really to try curious. it. Any other stuff that we should uh, cover before people uh, go out and uh, compete for the championship? I think always in, a, like in an unknown format, play something that you like playing and that you think is pretty good. You don't have to beat every deck. You can take losses in, in this open format. Just don't take too many losses to too many popular decks. <laughs> so I know uh, people have always talked about, uh, like, at regionals, it's important to hydrate, it's important to have snacks, stuff like that. Do you, think about, do you think about all the, like, preparing for a big tournament stuff differently when you're at home? Mm. I mean, a little bit, just because you get to do everything on your own terms and times, which is really nice. If I finish a round in five minutes, I could take a shower and just kind of <laughs> relax. I, I, I went for a run during one of the lunch breaks one time during one of the limitless things. So I think just think about how to use your downtime in between rounds in a way that refreshes you. That sounds way more refreshing than the usual uh, between round mojo. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. That's good advice. I, I can't really relax if I have something to do. So in the past when I've played an all day Hearthstone tournament where I'm at my computer all day, I'm just anxiously sitting there waiting to play my next round. I struggle to take my mind off it with something else. So I'll give that a whirl this weekend for sure. I definitely don't want to just wait at my computer all day. I, I like <laughs> how confident Mike is that he will not accidentally miss the start of the next round. I would be uh, horribly paranoid. <laughs> I win that too. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm a really anxious, paranoid person just in general. I'm always, all of my, I still have recurring nightmares about being late to tournaments or endlessly rummaging through my cards, trying to finish my deck list during registration or stuff. It's been more constant for me than going to actual tournaments in the, in the past couple <laughs> of years. Awesome. All right, uh, guys, let's declare victory for another amazing podcast. Next week, we'll have results from uh, uh, all you guys uh, run. Do our best. <laughs> oh.